0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. RatchetandRatchet at gmail.com is the uh, email address. Ratchet Book Club is where you can find us out on Twitter and also on Facebook. Um, you can leave a review on Podchaser. Chaser. cool thing about that is you can leave a review for the show as a whole, or you can leave a review for separate episodes and the show as a whole. Um, you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and, uh, on Stitcher, even though I haven't seen it. I don't know how to do that shit. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old, and I don't know how to do that shit. So, fuck with a nigga. Tell me what you're looking at, Stitcher, because I ain't seen it, and I've been looking. (sighs) Chapter 13. The line between the two is so thin that I go back and forth every day. Lena. Zaire paced anxiously back and forth outside the closed bedroom door as the doctor examined Bree's inside. Worrying over her condition was heart-wrenching. He had no idea what she had gone through, and he had only hoped that the damage she had suffered could be repaired. The nervousness and gut-bubbling concern that he felt for her was almost unbearable. He felt an overwhelming responsibility to rehabilitate Breeze, to restore her to the beautiful, unscathed young woman she used to be. The love he had for her extended that of boyfriend extended that of boyfriend girlfriend. Shouldn't it be extended to that of boyfriend girl? The love he had for her extended to that of boyfriend girlfriend. He felt obligated to her just as much as he was to himself. It was as if they were one, and just by looking into her eyes, he had absorbed all of her pain. He shared it with her and knew that he had to help her heal. Finding her had only been half the battle. The other half was yet to come. Yeah, because you don't know shit that she's been through, my nigga. You don't know nothing. You taking on this parental role, y'all have written him into this parental protective role without even going to breathe and her waking up and saying, This is what the fuck I've been through. Where the fuck were you? Without her waking up and saying, Zaire, you left me out in that car for me to get kidnapped by them motherfuckers. Where the fuck were you? Instead, we go right back to Zaire and his feelings instead of talking about Breeze and her feelings. And the road she has to go up, nigga, you're trying to make her back into the 18-year-old girl that she was. She's lived through trauma. She's lived through terror that you will never know. Nobody from the cartel will ever know the depths of the shit that she's been through and you're talking about you want to get back to old girlfriend boyfriend status when you were teaching a motherfucker how to read. Go fuck yourself. Ileana watched Zaire in silent disgust as she fumed on the inside. All of a sudden this Breeze bitch comes home and he acts like I don't exist, she thought irritably. The junkie bitch ain't even all that. What the hell does he see in her? Why do you care? You knew your place. You knew your role. You knew your position. You were there to literally watch the money, not to come to uh, Miami and get a motherfucking green card. That's not your goddamn job. Know your role. Know your role. You're sleeping in his bed. I don't know how it progressed this quickly anyway, but that's what it is. You put him on him in the car, and now all of a sudden, you put it on him in the car, and now, just like that, he's like... I'm going to let you sleep in my house. That ain't how it should have been. That's written way too sloppily. The cartel has seen enough shit that he should have been like, I don't trust nobody. And for him to say that his excuse was Breeze was okay. Okay, it should have just been like, I'm about my money, ma. I don't need you. You can go get your own spot. But instead, they're shacking up. You still should know your role, though. You're there for the money. Both of y'all are there for the money. Breeze, yeah, yeah. You could say she's a family friend, she's literally Breeze Diamond, the youngest member of the fucking cartel, and I'm going to help her come back to life. That's all he has to say, but because they don't communicate, because he's young as fuck and she's young as fuck, and they want to treat them like they're young as fuck, now all of a sudden I bet you the issue arises with the cartel because of her. She had no idea just how deeply Zyre's affection ran for Breeze, but seeing him completely absorbed in her was enough to make Eliana green with envy. It was the attention she craved from him, the love she was scheming to get. Rejection was something she had never learned to take, and Breeze being back in the picture only complicated things for her. That's all the women are there for. To be jealous when they see another woman. To be cute when they're on the block. To be abused. To push the story along. To be killed when they're no longer needed. As y'all can tell, I'm really furious with this book. And everything I say about it is going to be hypercritical from this point forward. I'm pretty certain of it. will not you come to bed, Zaire? It's three o'clock in the morning, Poppy. She said as she walked up on him. He still got her in his house? You gotta get the fuck out. I don't want Breeze waking up and seeing you here if you feel this deeply about Breeze. Mmm. She said as she walked up on him and wrapped her arms around his neck. Her blood-red painted nails scratched him softly with every caress. Staring into his eyes, it seemed as if he had aged overnight. He was carrying the burdens of a man twice his age, and they were evident in the frown lines that creased his brow. He shook his head and removed her arms from around him. Go ahead and get your rest, ma. I'm going to wait to speak with the doctor. I have to find out what happened to her, and I need to make sure she's okay, Zaire replied. Displeased with his lack of attention, Ileana rolled her eyes and sighed angrily as she retreated to Zaire's bedroom. Zaire ignored the little show she was putting on. She's not my chick, just someone to pass the time with. I've never given her a reason to think this is anything more than what it is, he justified in his head. And, okay, so what I'm not going to do is talk about how stereotypical this is. How wrong it really is. But I have to mention the fact that in this segment, we are literally looking at two people who are the same age. One is thinking with his head, the other is thinking with his heart. And the fact that the woman is thinking with her heart is so to the script. Ileana put it on him first. She should be dragging him around by his nose right now. But instead, he had sex to her immediately. Like on the trip back from Mexico. And then just pushed her to the side as you just a side piece. And she doesn't see what's going on? I don't know. It irritates me. This whole thing just... Burns me. And you should have told her what it was. Like I said. You could communicate with her openly and honestly. About what the fuck was going on in your life. Before you went down to Mexico and met her. That's fair. That's honest. You know what? I've only known you for this long. Before we met. I knew this family. And this family. This young lady. Is part of this family. And we had a thing going on. If you don't like it. We can commit to being business partners, but me and you, you got to get the fuck out of my bed. That's open and honest communication. He didn't want Ileana to become too attached because now that Breeze was back, he knew that one day he was going to have to let Ileana go. He would just have to use tact and be careful with the way he ended things. Ileana was more connected than an interstate highway, and he didn't want to cross those who she had ties to. I'm going to have to play that situation right. Can't have a scorned woman fucking up business, Zaire thought. God damn it. The doctor finally emerged from his guest bedroom, breaking Zaire from his thoughts. Yo, Doc, how is she? Zaire asked in a low tone. Breeze's condition wasn't everyone's business. He didn't want Iliana or even Breeze herself to overhear the prognosis. So her prognosis isn't her own goddamn business. After a full physical and vaginal exam, I found that she is in overall good health considering where she was found. A lot of girls coming from her circumstances contract incurable diseases. She's one of the lucky ones. I did find a lot of tearing and bleeding, which leads me to believe that she had been raped repeatedly for some time now. I found antibiotics in her system. Wherever she was, they kept her clean so that she wouldn't infect their clientele with any sexually transmitted diseases. That alone may have saved her life. She has a lot of contusions and bruised bones. I even found a hairline fracture on the back of her skull. Those things will heal with time and a lot of rest. There are high levels of heroin in her system, however. She needs to be admitted to a rehab facility immediately. I could recommend some if you'd like, the doctor said. The more the man spoke, the more dismayed Zaire became. It seemed that every part of Breeze was scarred. His chest tightened as he thought of the men who had violated her and of the abuse she had been forced to endure. All the while, the people who loved her, himself included, had moved on without her. As Zaire walked the doctor to the door, he relived the moment that he had slipped up and she had been kidnapped. It had been the worst day of his life. The doctor could see the turmoil on his face. Thank you for coming and for all your help," Zaire stated as he went into his pocket and handed the doctor a decent-sized knot of crisp hundred-dollar bills. We appreciate your professionalism and discretion. The doctor knew that Zaire spoke on behalf of the greatest criminal enterprise in the state of Florida. He nodded his head in acknowledgment, but before he was all the way out of the door, he said, "My greatest concern for Breeze is her mental stability." She won't talk about what she's seen or been through, which leads me to believe that it's too traumatic to relive. I strongly urge you to watch her closely. 24 hours a day if you have to. Suicide watch? Zaire questioned. The doctor nodded grimly and replied, Unfortunately, yes. She's going to need a lot of support. She needs to regain her physical strength as well as her mental health. No one but Breeze knows the things she's been through so handle her with extreme care. Zaire watched the doctor leave and then made his way to Breeze's bedside. She slept restlessly. Sweat covered her body and she twitched involuntarily as the potency of her last high passed out of her. Zaire got on his knees and grabbed Breeze's hand as he put his head down. He didn't want to wake her, only to let her know that he was right beside her and he wasn't going anywhere. Well, she needs to go. She needs to go to rehab, like now. The best way to keep her safe is to get her to rehab, like now. Because they'll have Suicide Watch at rehab. They'll do that if need be. And it'll be a place where she can get clean. But what you don't want to do is have her in the house with open access to Ileana. Because Ileana will do something rash like kill Breeze. She will kill Breeze, and then you will kill Iliana, and then all of a sudden, it'll be Funk on sight. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Iliana awoke to the loneliness of an empty bed and frowned. The undisturbed sheets let her know that Zaire hadn't been beside her all night. She climbed out of bed and pulled one of his shirts over her head before she went searching for him. Tiptoeing through the house in the dark with ease, she crept to the door of the guest bedroom. Zaire was so unaware of anything and everyone beside Breeze that he didn't notice Iliana standing behind him. The delicate way in which he touched her made Iliana sick. There was no misinterpreting his actions towards her. He loves this girl, Iliana thought as she scoffed and crossed her arms. She walked back to the bedroom knowing that with Breeze Diamond in the picture, she would never secure a spot in Zaire's world. I have to get rid of her, she thought as she climbed back into bed. It was the only solution. Ileana's features were so striking that they appeared deadly. As the wheels of manipulation began to turn to her pretty little head, she smiled deviously. These were exactly the type of games she loved to play. There was only room for one woman in Zaire's life, and she was determined to make sure that she was it. Okay. Lena lay in bed with the silky sheets wrapped around her gorgeous physique as if she were a Greek goddess. Her mind spun wildly as thoughts of Mecca filled her head. Her son lay beside her, and Estes rested on the other side of him. On the outside... They looked like a happy family. But on the inside, she yearned for something more. Something irresistible. Something dangerous. And that something was a new life with Mecca Diamond. If y'all don't get the fuck out of my face. Don't be stupid, Lena. He shot you. Don't go there. Stop thinking with your heart and use your head, she told herself. She couldn't understand how she could still care for the man who had tried to end her life. But her heart was a puzzle that was too complicated to piece together. It wanted what it wanted. And the more she reacquainted herself with Mecca, the more she wanted him. There was something about the diamond mystique that always pulled her in. She had felt the same thing with Monroe. And now that Mecca seemed to be changing, he was magnetic to her as well. She was so conflicted, so torn over him. Everything in her wanted to hate him. He deserved to be punished for the acts of sin he had committed against her, but seeing his transformation made it easier to forgive. He was slowly changing into a better man. She had known Mecca for a long time and knew that it wouldn't be easy for him to give up the life he had been born into, but he was trying, and that alone impressed her. The ticking of the antique grandfather clock in the corner of the room kept her awake as her heart raced in the midnight hour. How can you still love him, she asked herself. But she knew that she loved Mecca because it was the next best thing to love Monroe. They were so much alike that she couldn't keep up her angry visage towards Mecca. Every time she saw his face, she remembered Monroe. Identical in every way except demeanor, Mecca and Monroe were two halves that made up her whole heart. Those two halves equaled the one true love of her life. You better have three chambers, cause you have a son. Hesitantly, she sat up in bed and peeked over at Estes. His light snoring indicated that he was in a deep sleep. She took a deep breath as she leaned down to kiss her son's cheek before she slid out of bed. She knew that the decision she was about to make could be detrimental to her health. I have to see him, she thought as she slipped on her clothes, moving silently through the dark as she dressed. She grabbed her Chanel bag and fished out her keys as she snuck out the door, hoping that Estes would not awaken before she returned. Fear, anxiety, and anticipation filled her as she pulled away from Estes's home. She pulled out her cell phone and dialed Mecca's number. Mecca, I need to see you, she said as soon as he answered. Without hesitation, he gave her his address. Why? You ain't moved. You ain't gone nowhere. It ain't like y'all weren't dating, like, recently. Address dress ain't changed. She ain't forgot it. She ain't got amnesia. You just shot her in the fucking chest. Fucking chest. And she sped through the city streets, her bins making its way to Mecca's place in record speed. She sat in front of his building for an hour, listening to the pattering of the rain falling on the roof of her car. Do you mean pattering? It's, it's not pattering. Hey Siri, what's the definition of pattering? As a verb it means, make a repeated light tapping sound. Yeah. Do you want to hear the next one? No thank you. It seems like that's what they're looking for in this one. You know, not pattering. Because there is no pattering to rain at all it was as if the sky was crying right along with her as her own tears flowed down her cheeks confusion plagued her as she tried to make sense of her feelings knowing that mecca was no good she started to leave but every time she went to put the car in drive she froze she needed to see mecca and although the consequence of her actions would be great she decided to stay she got out of the car before she lost her nerve and ran into the high rise building her throat felt as if it would close as she took the elevator to the penthouse on the top floor and nervous energy filled her she went to Mecca's door and lifted her hand to knock but before she could mecca pulled it open he stood before her shirtless with a blunt in one hand as weed smoke danced in the space around him yeah they fucking she took in everything about him mecca was a beautiful man From his broad and well-sculpted chest to his strikingly handsome features, he was perfect. His only flaw was his dangerous temper. She had seen it firsthand. It had almost cost her everything, yet there she stood, intrigued and forgiving in front of him. Overwhelmed by his presence, she stopped thinking and did what felt right to her. She kissed him passionately, catching Mecca off guard as she backed him into the penthouse. Their pace was feverish as desire filled the space between them. Mecca fumbled to put out the blunt without breaking their connection. I'm so sorry, Lee, he whispered over and over again in her ear, causing her tears to flow. Hearing the sincerity in his words was like a punch to the gut as she pushed him away. Why did you have to speak, Mecca? Why did you have to remind me of what you did? Every time you apologize, I remember that night, she yelled as she put her hands to her face and turned towards the door. Lena. Before Mecca could get his words out, she stalked over to him in a rage and slapped him across the face. I hate you, Mecca. I hate you for what you did, she yelled, her anger ablaze in her emotion-filled eyes. What the whole world wide fuck? Then why are you here, he asked as he touched the side of her face. The gentleness that he displayed was uncharacteristic for him. This new version of Mecca that stood before her was so much easier to love than the callous gangster she knew him to be. She sobbed as if she were ashamed of herself. She replied, because I love you. (laughs) She replied, because I love you. The line between the two is so thin that I go back and forth every day. Mecca embraced her, and she fought him as she tried to regain control of her heart. No, Mecca, I have to go. I shouldn't have come here. What the fuck was I thinking? I had to think of my son, she protested. Stop fighting me, Ma, he whispered. Ma! He took her chin into his hand and lifted her face to his, kissing her gently. She melted as she kissed him back, indulging in the forbidden affection she felt for him. I'm trying, Lena. I'm trying to change. You don't know how much I wish I could take back. Don't, she said as she looked up at him. Don't keep making me relive it, Mecca. We can't take back the things we did in the past, and it's too painful for me to think about. I know that being here with you is a mistake, but please, just let me make it. Okay, he replied simply as he picked her up, her long legs wrapping around his body as he placed his hands on her behind. He carried her to his bedroom as their tongues performed a delicate dance. He laid her down on his bed and then stood up as he admired her. Seeing her in his bed alive and breathing caused him so much distress as he felt his chest swell. Although he had hurt Lena, she had hurt him as well. She was a constant reminder of the monster he had become. At that moment, everything sexual about their interaction went out of his mind. His motive was different. What he sought from her was intimacy. He wanted to feel the unconditional love that she had for him. As he looked down at her, His heart swelled, and for the first time in his life, he was selfless, thinking of her before himself. After everything he had done to her, Lena still came back to him. The hollow space inside his chest, where his heart should have dwelled, ached because he realized he loved her too. He lay down beside her and pulled her close to his body. I just want to hold you, Lee. Just stay here with me. Forgive me, Lena, he whispered as he kissed the top of her head. Lena closed her eyes as the heat from his body warmed her. She was reluctant in her decision, but knew that it was one she would still make, despite the warning bells ringing in her conscience. I do, Mecca. I forgive you. I I just... I honestly want to cry. This poor abused woman, like seriously, and it's not funny, it's not, it's not, um, I, I've experienced too much trauma in my life by people who I loved being abused by men, immediate family being abused by men that this just, my soul hurts for her. And I don't like this at all. And I don't like where it's going at all. And I don't trust it at all. When Breeze opened her eyes, her entire body hurt. She had been asleep for three days straight. But now that she was awake and coherent, she felt the horrible effects of withdrawal. She reached for the IV that was in her arm and weakly pulled it out. As she stood to her feet, the weight of her body was unbearably heavy. Despite the fact that she had lost tremendous weight... It felt like her bones would break with every step she took. Her body had been dependent on heroin for so long that it was no longer producing the endorphins she needed to resist pain. Every inch of her body hurt. The pressure of her feet hitting the floor felt as if she was walking on glass. It was no longer a matter of enjoying the high. She needed heroin to keep her functioning. Without it, she felt sick. For so long, she had convinced herself that she would never make it home. Now that she was back, she felt dirty and ashamed of where she had been. As she made her way out of the room, she gripped her churning stomach with one hand while keeping her balance against the wall with the other. When she stepped into the hallway, the smell of food cooking drew her to the kitchen. She was caught off guard by the unfamiliar face that greeted her. Ileana stood in the Victoria's Secret negligee as she prepared breakfast. Breeze gasped at her beauty and instantly began to smooth out her own hair from insecurity. I used to look like that, she thought as she fumbled nervously, ashamed of her appearance. When Ileana realized she had an audience, she smirked. So, the famous Breeze Diamond does more than sleep, she said as she motioned her hand for Breeze to sit. Where's Zaire? Breeze asked as she sat down timidly, wincing from the pressure of her tailbone hitting the wooden chair. She looked around nervously as she shivered and rubbed the goosebumps on her bare arms. Being home felt odd, as if she no longer belonged, and the way Iliana was looking at her made her feel out of place. He's in the shower, Iliana replied as she looked Breeze up and down from head to toe. I don't see what all the fuss is about, she thought as she instantly judged Breeze. Who are you? Breeze asked. Iliana fixed herself a plate and began to walk past Breeze. She stopped right next to her and replied, I'm the new bitch in Zaire's life that you don't want to fuck with. She placed a plate of food down in front of Breeze so hard that some of the food fell onto the table. Here, you need this more than I do. You look like shit feeling as if she hadn't eaten in days. She dug into the plate as Ileana shook her head and walked away. She's pathetic, she thought as she walked back into Zaire's bedroom. You cooking? Zaire asked in surprise as soon as she came into the room. Water dripped from his rock-hard abs, and the white towel that was hanging from his hips barely covered his family jewels as she eyed him hungrily. Don't act so surprised, Zaire. Our house guest woke up, so I just thought I would make her something to eat. She looks so unhealthy. Eliana replied with fake innocence. Your plate is on the stove. Our house guest like that's what I would have said our, our we really do need to talk like first of all, you know who she is, so you know why she's important to this family, so what we need to talk. Zaire nodded his head, but looked at her skeptically. Play nice, Eliana. Now is not the time for bullshit. He warned. What? she feigned. Can't a girl do something nice? she asked. Not a girl like you. Every move you make is calculated, Zaire answered as he finished dressing. He bypassed Ileana as he went to join Breeze in the kitchen. He noticed that when he approached her, she wouldn't look him in the eyes. He walked right up on her and kneeled in front of her. Reaching up to touch her face, he felt his heart speed up. No matter how much she had changed, he was grateful to have her back. He had never thought he would see her again. "'You should be in bed, B,' he whispered as he brushed a piece of food from the side of her delicate mouth. "'Where is everyone, Zaire? I just want my mother. Has she been to see me? Why am I not at home with her?' Breeze asked. "'Oh, my God. She knows nothing of what happened.' Oh. And Zaire gotta be the one to tell her? Oh, God. Zaire became silent. A lot had happened in Breeze's absence, and it had slipped his mind that she was unaware of her mother's death. I can't tell her that, he thought. She should hear from Carter or Mecca. Breeze noticed a look of uncertainty in Zaire's eyes. Where is she, Zaire? Where's my mother? I need her, she said in a pleading tone. She's gone. She died after you disappeared, he said, giving her the news as gently as possible. Breeze reached out and gripped Zaire's shirt tightly as her head fell onto his chest. Her vision was so blurry with tears that she couldn't see as She cried silently. She couldn't even form the words to express the sharp pain that radiated through her heart. I know, B. I know, Zaire soothed as he rubbed her back. It just hurt so bad. I wasn't even here. I missed everything, Breeze cried. Nah, Ma. Everything missed you. Nothing has been the same since you've been gone. You're home now, and I'm going to take care of you. Zaire picked her up and carried her back into the guest room. Ah, she whispered as he laid her down. Even the thousand thread count sheets felt painful to her. She needs to be in rehab, period, period, for as long as it takes. She gripped his hands as he watched over her sympathetically. Zaire, please, this hurts too bad. I need you to help me. Please just give me a little bit to make me feel better. Hearing her beg him for dope broke his heart. He would do anything to take her pain away anything except what she was requesting of him. I can't do that, Breeze. You don't need that, Ma. I'm going to help you through this, but you got to be strong. Breeze began to shake as a chill set into her bones, and she squirmed uncomfortably. Tears of rage rushed Zaire, but he held them back, refusing to let even one fall. He dipped the sponge on the nightstand into a bowl of cold water and wiped it across her forehead. What happened to you, Ma? he asked. Tell me who did this to you. Who took you, Breeze? Breeze closed her eyes because she knew that once she admitted what had occurred, Zaire and her family would never look at her the same. Talk to me, Breeze. You can tell me, Zaire urged. He was ready to pop off on anyone who had played a role in kidnapping Breeze. It was Mati. "'I was trapped in Haiti with Mati, she replied. Images of the constant rape raced through her mind as she shook her head from side to side, her eyes still closed from fear of the look that Zaire was giving her. "'He raped me every day, Zaire, and no matter how hard I try, I can't stop feeling his hands on my body.' Her revelation would not allow him to remain strong. He cried at her bedside as he gripped her hand and kissed her face repeatedly. I'm going to murder that nigger Breeze. You hear me? I'm going to... He's already dead, she whispered. The earthquake killed him. It was how I got away from him. But I only went from one hell to another. It took everything in Zaire not to explode, and he turned away from Breeze so that she couldn't witness his grief. That's why I didn't want to tell you. You don't want me anymore, Breeze said. So I'm not going to state that this is for every person and I'm not going to state that this is in every circumstance. But the folks that I know who have gone through trauma like this, it usually takes them a long time to want to be touched. and, and, And they literally need counseling and they need time and they need love without condition and without touching them. And for her to say that he doesn't love her anymore and he doesn't want her anymore. It's just... Yeah. Zaire cleared the tears from his face and gained his composure before turning around. I'll always want you, Breeze, and you never have to talk about it again. You're home now, and that's all that matters. I'm going to stick with you through it all, B, and I'll body anybody who ever hurts you again. All you have to promise is that you'll try. Try to kick this shit, Breeze. That's the one thing I can't do for you. You have to want that for yourself. Breeze nodded and replied, I will, Zaire. I promise you. I'll get clean. As Ileana's prying ears eavesdropped on the conversation, she felt reassured. She had seen the effects that heroin could have over a person. Breeze was hooked, and Ileana was going to make sure that she stayed that way. Ileana's infatuation with Zaire was so strong that she never even considered how evil her actions towards Breeze would be. She was out for self. No one else mattered. I wish that just for one chapter, for just one moment, they would give this young lady some happiness. But they keep placing people in her life to just make her life a constant, continuous circle of hell. Dawn came too early for Lena as the rising sun shone brightly through the floor to the ceiling windows of Mecca's penthouse. She knew that she had stayed too long, but being wrapped up in Mecca's arms felt so good that she didn't want to let him go. She slid from beneath him and walked out onto the large balcony. She wished that she could stay there forever and just move forward without ever looking back, but her son kept her rooted with Estes. Estes was security, and although she didn't love him... She knew that he had the means to provide her child with everything. The purple and orange hues that blended in the sky relaxed her, and she sighed as she thought of how complicated her life had just become. Why did I come here, she asked herself, knowing that she had just opened Pandora's box. She felt Mecca walk up behind her, and her shoulders tense as the hairs on the back of her neck rose in fear. Don't fear me, Lee. I'm trying to show you that I'm not a monster, he whispered into the back of her neck with his eyes closed as he inhaled her natural scent. He wrapped his arms around her waist and she relaxed. I know, Mecca. I'm trying. I just have to get used to this new you. You have to be patient with me. My trust in you isn't something that can be restored overnight. The feeling of Mecca's lips on the nape of her neck caused her love box to throb in anticipation. It had been so long since she had been pleased. She wanted to slow things down, but the spot between her thighs had a different agenda. She gasped as Mecca's hands caressed her thighs, moving higher and higher until his fingers found her clit. Without speaking, he moved with expertise as he spread her legs and removed his manhood. She felt the girth of him as he rubbed his thick head against her voluptuous behind. Do they have another word? Three books in? Everybody's ass is voluptuous. She dripped in anticipation. Nothing had ever felt so forbidden, yet she still craved it. She wanted him to put his thing down. The bedroom was the one place where his aggression never scared her bending her over the 35-story balcony. 35th story is what it should be? Yeah. He parted her glistening southern lips and entered her from behind. Do you want me to stop? He asked as he paused inside of her. He wanted her to be completely comfortable with what was about to go down. No, she replied. Psh. She sighed as she felt every inch of him dig into her from behind. Mecca's hand gripped the sides of her ass. Her wetness was like heaven to him. Her juicy peach fit snugly around his shaft as her muscles pulled him tighter and deeper with every stroke. Ooh, Mecca, she moaned as she bucked back on his dick, loving the mixture of pain and pleasure that he was giving her. Her head spun from orgasmic intoxication as she took in the scenery below. She could feel herself being sucked back into Mecca's world, but at that exact moment, she didn't care. If this is what it feels like, I want to be here forever, she thought as her eyes closed in pleasure. The morning air caused her nipples to harden as Mecca turned her around. She mounted him as he held her up with one hand and palmed her perky breasts with the other, all the while their tongues intertwined. It had been so long since the man had been inside of her. Essie's expressed his interest, but she could never bring herself to sleep with him, and now all of the sexual tension that she had built up was about to come down. I'm coming, she whispered feverishly. Ooh, Mecca, right there. Mecca increased his pace as the tip of his dick swelled, and a tingle ran down his spine. Me too, Lee. Shit, ma. Mecca cried out in pleasure as he shot his load into her. But he didn't stop pleasing her until she creamed all over him. Exhausted, she fell onto his chest. Her labored breathing filled the air. She didn't know what her next move would be, and she hid her face to avoid reality. Lee, he said as he lifted her chin, I want you to leave him. I don't know if I can, she admitted honestly. I owe him so much. He's been nothing but generous and kind to me. Are you happy? He asked. Jesus. That's like the number one question that men ask when women don't do what they want them to do as far as leaving their man immediately. Or The next one is usually, "Your man, won't let you have friends? Will I be happy with you? She countered with raised eyebrows. She wanted him to reassure her, to convince her that she would be. But it was something that Mecca couldn't guarantee. He lowered his gaze. Exactly. I didn't think so, she said sadly as she walked back into his penthouse. Mecca listened as the shower ran in his master bathroom. And he sat down on his bed with his face in his hands. He was trying. He was doing all he could to redeem himself. But he wasn't completely sure that he could purge himself of all the evil that lived inside of him. He wanted Lena. She held the key to his future, but he didn't want to hurt her again. As she emerged from his bathroom fully dressed, he knew that she was ready to walk out of his life. She's better off with Estes, he thought as she headed directly to the door. The selfishness in him caused him to stop her. Lena. She paused mid-step and turned to him, revealing a tear-streaked face. Leave him. Come away with me, he said. My son, she protested. He has my blood in his veins, Lena. Let me raise him. I'll take care of you, he replied. Lena wanted to say no because she knew that it was the right answer, but her heart would not listen to reason. She ran towards Mecca and kissed him passionately. Okay, okay, Mecca, just let me do this on my own terms. I'll leave him, I swear. Lena, I'm leaving with or without you, but you will make my life so much better if you come, he admitted. Just tell me when and where to be, and I'll be there. I'll leave with you, she said as she walked out the door. Mecca watched her leave, but he was confident that she would soon be back. The game was getting old for him, and at that moment, all he wanted was to leave his old life behind so he could start a anew with Lena. She was slowly becoming his only priority, and even Estes couldn't keep him away from her. Emilio Estes sat behind the dark tent of the Lincoln truck and held his great-grandson in his arms as he watched Lena leave Mecca's building. Disappointment filled him as he kissed Monroe Jr.'s chubby cheeks. I can't let your mother make this mistake, Estes said, more to himself than to the baby in his arms. I told him to stay away. He shook his head in disgust as he thought of how he would have to press the button on Mecca. He was a liability. As long as he was around, Lena would be drawn to him, and Estes was not giving her up, especially to his crooked grandson. Mecca was a ticking time bomb, and before he could explode again, Estes would kill him. This time, there would be no mercy. Mecca had to go. Chapter 14 I Stay Strapped Murder Murder had been patiently waiting to see Mecca again. Murder had staked out Monroe's grave all Sunday morning, hoping to see Mecca there again, just so he had done one week before. This nigga's bound to show up here sometime, he thought as he sat back. He thought about what the murder mamas had said about him taking a different approach and killing the remaining leaders of the cartel. He knew that to do it, who would have to get in close with them so he could kill Zaire? Mecca, and Carter with ease. He didn't have the luxury of just killing one of them and being satisfied. In Mia Moore's honor, all of them had to go. He looked across the cemetery and saw a tinted truck and knew that Robin and Ares were waiting inside, strapped. He had a plan, and if everything went as expected, he would be in a better position by the end of the day. Just as expected, Mecca's car rolled up slowly and parked. Mecca stepped out of the car, scanned the area, and checked the surroundings. Once he felt comfortable, he closed the door and headed towards Monroe's grave. Murder hopped out of his car also and tried to look casual as he could as he neared the grave. Murder patted his hip to make sure that his 40 caliber pistol was in place. Mecca was on the path to the tombstone and didn't notice Murder walking a couple feet behind him. Murder looked across the sight and nodded knowing the girls were watching closely and waiting for his signal to go through with the plan and get it popping. On cue, tires began to screech and the sounds of gunfire erupted. The murder mamas had on ski masks and Robin had an assault rifle. She was hanging out of the window. Aries drove by while shooting her own handgun out the window. Murder quickly dove on Mecca, knocking him out of the way as he was taken by a total surprise. Murder began to fire back but he aimed high purposely so he wouldn't hit Robin and Aries. The whole scenario was planned to a T. It was done and over within 15 seconds, but those 15 seconds were instrumental in murder's plans. Mecca was taken off guard, and he had left his guns in the car, not thinking anything would pop off at a cemetery. He breathed hard as he saw murder send bullets at the tinted car that was speeding out of the cemetery. Murder ran after the car, firing bullet after bullet until his clip was empty, showing Mecca that he wasn't scared. You good? Murder asked as he looked back at Mecca, who was still on the ground. Yeah, I'm good, Mecca said as his heart beat rapidly. Damn! Mecca yelled as he thought about how his life had almost ended. You saved my ass, Mecca added. Don't trip. I saw that shit coming from a mile away. I'm just glad that I had my strap on me. You must have an enemy somewhere, huh? Murder said as he extended his hand to help Mecca up. Yeah, something like that. Thanks, fam. Mecca said as he stood up and dusted off his pants. Don't mention it, Murder said as he walked towards the tombstone as if the conversation was over. Yo, hold up, Mecca said as he followed Murder. That was some real shit. What, you a cop or something? Mecca asked, wondering why he would just be carrying a gun with him. Hell nah. I hate cops, Murder answered as he put his gun inside his holster. I stay strapped, that's all. Yo, I'm Mecca, Mecca said as he extended his hand for a shake. I'm Leon, but my people call me Murder. Okay, Murder. Nice to meet you. Let me bless you for doing what you did, Mecca said as he reached into his pocket and pulled out a stack full of money. Nah, I'm good. You keep that. I just acted on impulse. It was nothing, Murder said. Well, at least let me buy you a drink, Mecca said with a small smirk. He liked Murder's style and quick thinking. He knew that he could always use a live nigger around him. Murder impressed him just that quick. No doubt, Murder responded, accepting the invitation. Mecca had just fallen right into Murder's trap, and although Murder had a stone-cold expression on his face, on the inside he was smiling because he knew that the countdown to the end of the cartel had just begun. And that's how I ended up in Miami, Murder said, just finishing a made-up story to Mecca. He told Mecca that he came from Atlanta, searching for a Coke Connect, and had only been in town for a couple of months. Murder also told him that his father moved to Florida and had recently passed, which was something Mecca could relate to. Needless to say, they hit it off quickly. Murder took a shot of Patron and slammed the glass on the table. Mecca signaled the waiter to bring them another shot as they sat in the rear of a low-key bar that Mecca frequented. Murder's trigger finger was itching, and he wanted so badly to pull off, to pull off his forty. What? He wanted so badly to pull off his forty and blow Mecca's head clean off. Think he meant pull off, but even that, you know, I would have said pull out. He wanted so badly to pull out his forty cal and blow Mecca's head clean off. But he knew that he couldn't show his card this early in the game. Murder's hand began to sweat and he gritted his teeth, all while keeping on a smile in front of his enemy. How can I be having a drink with the coward that killed my baby? Me and more was my motherfucking heart. I should blow his head off right now, Murder thought as he casually slipped his hand down to his waist where his gun rested, locked and loaded. He quickly snapped back and thought about the bigger picture, and that was taking them all out. You say you're looking for a coke connect, right? Mecca said as he leaned in closer to Murder so no one could overhear him. Yeah, that shit in Atlanta is so stepped on, and when we do get a good batch in, they taxin up the ass, Murder said. How about- Mecca started, but stopped when the waitress came and set the two shots of Patron on the table. He continued when she left. How about I show you how to make some real money, Mecca said as he leaned back and took a shot with no chaser. How can I do that, Murder asked as he sat back looking very interested, knowing that Mecca was playing into his little trap. I saw the way you reacted out there today. I need a nigga like that on my team, you feel me? I'm listening, Murder stated. I want you to be my enforcer, my bodyguard for a couple months. I'll also plug you in on some bricks when you go back to Atlanta. Unstepped on, raw, Mecca offered. Word? Murder asked as he took his shot and looked Mecca in the eyes. Word, Mecca said as he extended his hand, waiting for Murder to seal the deal. You don't know he's not a cop. Like, you're getting real chummy with this nigga because he's set up. Like, if you saw what Anissa was doing that easily and you saw the setup coming from a mile away and you saw the car tailing you and all that kind of stuff, how can't your mind figure that this could be a setup? This is all way convenient, fam. no. Not thinking about that at all, huh? Also, can we talk about the fact that ever since that night that he killed Money, he's never been, I guess, well, no. Ever since the night that he had to shootout with Essie's men and had to jump out the balcony, he's never had another issue where he's had like a plate full of cocaine in his nose. Just kick the habit, huh? Never talked about it again. Word, Murder asks, he took his shot and looked Mech in the eyes. Word, Mecca said as he extended his hand, waiting for Murder to seal the deal. Murder shook Mecca's hand, and thoughts of more horrific murder scene popped up in his head. Murder's trigger finger began to itch again, and he gritted his teeth, feeling disgusted that he was shaking his own enemy's hand. Nevertheless, Murder stayed calm and didn't show his card so soon. He knew that in due time, he would get his revenge in a major way. Murder left that meeting feeling like in some way he had betrayed Mia Moore. However, he knew that to take down the cartel correctly, he would have to play a role. Murder had just ordered the murder mamas to head back to L.A., and even though they were against leaving him there alone, Murder insisted. Murder had taught Mia Moore everything she knew about her profession, and off the strength of that, Robin and Ares listened to him. At that moment, Murder was on his way to meet Mecca at a warehouse and the murder mamas were in the air headed home. On that day, murder was supposed to meet Zaire and Carter for the first time. Murder questioned his willpower. He wasn't sure that he'd be able to handle seeing Carter without reaching for his gun and going all out. Only time would tell. Murder took a deep breath and whispered, I love you, Mia Moore, as if she was in the car with him. Deep in his heart, he was confident that she could hear him. As Murder pulled into the warehouse where Mecca had directed him to meet them, he took a deep breath to prepare himself. It was an old steel factory on the outskirts of Miami. The Diamond family owned the property, so it looked as if it was a shut-down establishment, but it was where the bricks were stored and the shipments were dropped off. Murder stepped out of the car, and moments later, a Lamborghini pulled up behind him, shining its lights on him. Murder blocked his eyes and tried to see who the driver was. It wasn't until Mecca killed the lights and the butterfly-style door arose that Murder saw who it was. "'Sup, fam?' Mecca asked as he approached Murder. Murder instinctively clenched his jaws as his hatred for Mecca surfaced once again. Murder caught himself and calmed down before Mecca got close enough to read the expression on his face. Niggas like Mecca could sense larceny, so Murder had to be sure to keep his temper in check at all times. "'What's good?' Murder said between clenched teeth He shook Mecca's hand and put on a fake smile Just before Mecca led him into the warehouse Carter and Zaire were already there Counting money and loading duffel bags with the bricks So they could be distributed to their blocks They had been there for over an hour And had parts in the back out of sight As Murder walked in He had to stop his mouth from hitting the floor He had never seen so many kilos of cocaine in his life It was then that he knew that the cartel was much more than street legend. They were the real deal. Having Carter, Zaire, and Mecca in one place at the same time, he thought about taking them out right there, but he quickly changed his tune when he saw the arsenal of automatic weapons sitting on the table near the money. What took you so long? Carter asked as he thumbed through the $100 bills without looking up. Zaire frowned when he saw the man following Mecca. Fuck is this new nigga, Zaire asked, not wanting to hold his tongue. I had to make it stop, but check it, this is my man I was telling you about. This nigga's on some Jet Lee type shit with the pistols. He's nice, Mecca bragged. Word, Carter said as he stood from the table to shake Murder's hand. Mecca had told Carter and Zaire about Murder, and they needed an enforcer, so they had wanted to meet him. But when Carter shook Murder's hand, he felt like something was off. Call it a hustler's intuition, the handshake wasn't right, the eye contact was too stiff, and Murder's body language didn't match his facial expression. Murder, this is Carter. Carter, Murder, Mecca said, introducing the two men who both loved Mia more to the bone. What's up, Carter said. Sup, family? Murder returned. And this is Zaire. He handles everything on the street level, Mecca said. Zaire was so busy counting the money that he didn't even properly greet murder. Zaire just glanced at him briefly and nodded his head. Carter didn't say anything then, but he made a mental note to tell Mecca to ditch the new nigga. He didn't get a good vibe from him, and rightfully so, because murder wanted all of them dead. Yo, let's wrap this up. I gotta make a move, Carter said, trying to cut the night short. He didn't feel comfortable around murder and wanted him gone. Zaire picked up on Carter's vibe and agreed. Mecca was slipping, and Carter was going to tell him about himself later. The next day, Mecca had a talk with Carter and he instantly cut off murder. They also shut down that location as the drop-off and pickup spot. Carter didn't know if murder was a Fed or an enemy, but he knew one thing: he could never be a part of the cartel. Then why the fuck do you have that? Why'd you what why'd you even write that in? Like that was useless. That was useless except to show that Mecca's stupid. Carter can read poker faces, and murder's not as good as he thinks he is. 916-633-1537. Ratchet's Ratchet Gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out our uh, group on Facebook at Ratchet Book Club. Um, leave a review on Podchaser. You can leave a review for uh, the show or for separate episodes. Um, you could also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, I guess. Uh, become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash singlesimocast. Uh, help us buy more books at buymeacoffee.com sscast. Uh, If you're on Good Pods, thank you so much. Uh, Leave five stars and you can uh, donate to the show through the tip jar. I think that's about it. Thank you all so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. I'll holler at you later. Y'all be good. Peace.